0: We thank you and we praise you, God, for who you are. You're just so good. You're holy. You're righteous. You're deserving. You're deserving of us. You're deserving of us being completely... Sold out for you. Nothing less. We give you us. I give you me. To do with whatever you will. I give you my hands, my feet. I give you my Mouth, my voice, my thoughts, my will. I declare it is my desire that my will be crushed and your will preside. I declare that over myself and I declare that over ignition. Pray your will be done this morning. Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement, but I'm not gonna fill in anything. And you guys are gonna understand here, but I'm gonna get a lot of comments. So that's okay. If we are his hands and his feet, which we are, right? Or we're supposed to be in this realm, on this earth. We who give him everything that we are live in relationship with him. He has said, you are my hands and my feet, right? Okay, that seems pretty understandable. God is the enforcer of his own righteous vengeance. If you don't believe that, you have to take out the entire Old Testament and many statements in the New. That his righteous judgment is there to produce his justice, his holiness. I think if we were to ask any Christian, and probably anybody who's not a Christian, but you know just has this basic concept of God, I would assume that if we were to ask them how a Christian can stand in front of a holy and righteous God, filled with perfect justice, outside of the blood of Jesus Christ, outside of His blood covering sin, there wouldn't be an answer. There couldn't be. And yet, what does His blood do? It covers our sin in God's eyes it literally erases it. Okay, but it covers our sin, it does not stop us from sinning, it does not make us incapable of sin. Man, I wish it did. I wish it did. It would just be so much easier if we were incapable of sin once we accept Jesus Christ into our heart. It's just not the case. I mean, around. That, that's, does that seem like an obvious statement to you? I mean, it seems like an obvious statement to me. I'm saved. I was saved when I was nine years old. I'm pretty sure I've sinned since. I'm pretty sure I could choose to sin right now. Does that mean that I am not covered in his blood? No, I am covered in in his blood. He is the filter between me and the Father. The Father sees me through Jesus' eyes. That's why we build relationship with him. So let me go back to the statement. This thing is falling down. Sorry. Anybody have super glue? I'm kidding. Let me go back to the original statement. If he is vengeance against Satan, vengeance against sin for the sake of his perfect justice, and we are his hands and feet, what does that mean in our role? In his vengeance. That's a heavy thought. That's a heavy thought. I'm not even sure where to go with it. It is just what he has been pounding on me all morning. See, God doesn't do anything. It says in Amos, he doesn't do anything before He tells his prophets, but he also works through his people to bring his justice. The 135,000 or whatever it was, Syrians with with Gideon that were coming against them, and you know the story where Gideon's 300 went against them. God could have done that without Gideon. He could have done that all by himself. He could have sent something to kill all of them. He could have sent something to make them leave. He could have handled it all by himself, but he didn't. Why? Because he he chooses to engage with his people that will say yes to him. It is really the furtherance of his original plan For his creation and that was to build relationship. When he works through us, when we let him work through us, that is part of building that relationship. You cannot build relationship with him if you are not giving him you. If you are not giving him your hands and your feet to be his hands and his feet. And you can't just say, well, somebody else will do it. You know, there's lots of people in the bride. Somebody else will do that. I just don't feel comfortable doing that. See, nobody else else has your part. That's what Paul says. Nobody else has your part. Only you have your part. Only you have your calling. And it is when all those parts come together as a whole that he begins to move in a profound way. That's why unity is so important to Him. It's because that's when all the pieces come together and can move as one. And this is not a hard concept. I mean, the reality of it works in everything that we do. Right? You look at any successful business, any successful endeavor, it is a product of a unified push something. Very rarely is it just one person making it happen. Even when it may look like just one person. Like a Billy Graham. You look at him and think, well, that, that's one person that really made it happen. But how about the thousands upon thousands upon thousands that worked with him? That you didn't see behind the scenes. How about those that were praying for him? That was the real oil that lubricated that machine. Oh my goodness. That's what lubricates this machine. This thing we call ignition. What's going on even in Nigeria? It is prayer. Prayer. That lubricates that people that aren't being seen. You know, we have prayer call. Everybody knows this. We have a prayer call twice a day. And do you know when we hit blocks, when he, we hit roadblocks, that is the first place that I go. I'll tell Lex or tell Wendy, hey, we need to pray about this because there is a roadblock. Man, we, we've gone through this just recently. You, you all know everybody here i don't think anybody online knows maybe but the nigerian borders have been closed down for months ever since i wanna say it was march right beginning of march something like that we've not been able to go back in fact i got a whole bunch of clothes there the team there has all their stuff just sitting there i think ali left an apple on a desk didn't you oh, no i'm pretty sure that's gone and not cuz someone threw it away <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, so, so so we were forced out, or forced not, we weren't allowed back because these borders closed, and we've been waiting, you know, Lord, when are you going to open them up? When are we going to go back? Well, they just opened. They were supposed to open a week ago, and Michael and I got tickets to go back only for the borders to be delayed for a week, so we had to redo those tickets, and then we... Re- I mean, it's almost funny. We redo those tickets, and it's on a flight we, we've taken many, many times through Lufthansa. And then I, a couple days before we're to leave, I, I get this, this text from, from a good friend in, in Nigeria at 5.30 in the morning saying, you really need to call your travel agent. And he sent me a picture of a newspaper clipping that said, among others, Lufthansa banned from entering Nigeria. Okay, and I won't even get into why and all that, but the point is it doesn't even matter. Satan was doing all he could to keep us from what God wanted us to do. This entire time, we knew God told us we have to be there on the ground by the tent. And so Michael and I are thinking, okay, well, Lord, somehow you're going to work this out. You know, is, is this where we get to experience what Philip did? Where we just show up there? That would be awesome. Can we take a bag with us? That would be tremendous. But by faith, we knew, and I will admit, he knew way, way more solid than me, because I'm like, okay, Michael, are you sure? Are you sure? Because see, what the Lord told me was that He would tell Michael. So maybe that was so I could just blame it all on him. I don't know. But so, so I'm. You're sure? You're so. I'm. I, I'm positive. We're supposed to go immediately. Then the Lord confirmed we're to be there by the tenth. And now all of a sudden our flights are canceled again. I start looking into it, and and and. Just problem after problem after problem. So we go to prayer. There's only one flight that I could find that was flying in there, and that was Ethiopian Airlines. And it was this insane flight of having to fly actually to Ethiopia. 14 hour flight or almost 14 hour flight then 4 hours back so you're going further than you have to and coming back but whatever I mean we'll go around the world if we have to but when I checked it and this was yesterday morning and I I, before I was coming to the uh, elders meeting I checked it and the, the flights and this is the economy guys this is sitting back with all the you know Sheep and goats and you know, everything else. And, and I, I don't mean that offensively. It, the point is, it's in a seat that I don't fit in very well. Okay? They wanted more for those tickets than it would have cost me before to fly premium economy, almost as much as if I would have fought, flown business class back when we would fly. So I'm like, okay, well, Lord, the money's up to you. You can do that, whatever. You know, and we prayed about it in the elders meeting. I got home, and because of that prayer, literally in about a maybe a two-hour period from when I had checked them, I get home, and Michael said, no, here are the tickets, the new ticket prices. And it was back to normal. And and not only that, but then when I called the travel agent, he had a better way. We could fly out of here, and we could go like we did before on Ethiopian Air. We went through Togo, and it's only a 10-hour flight instead of a 14-hour flight. Praise God. So we booked those tickets. We leave on Tuesday. So we are there in plenty of time by the 10th. But I'm going to lay this out for you because we need your prayer. Because Satan weaves this web of junk, okay? We are required to get a negative COVID test. The results of a negative COVID test 72 hours prior to boarding the flight. Okay, well here... All the places that we found for the COVID tests, you don't get your results until seventy-two plus hours, three to five days. So, so we did. We went and took the test um, yesterday, and so we are praying. And this is what I need you to pray for: that we get those results before we take off. That we get those somehow. We get it in spot on those 72 hours or three days or whatever. Because the bad thing is, with Nigeria, you have a window. You have 72 to 96. So it, it's not like we could have taken it days ago and just had that. Because we actually did. We took it thinking we were going on that first flight. We had already taken it, got back our, our, our negative test results and all that. But we can't use those because those aren't within the 72 hours to the 96 window. So, you, you could just understand how crazy it is, but it doesn't end there. This is, that's the first thing we need you guys to pray for. Second thing we need you guys to pray for is that we can actually go someone, somewhere when we're there. Because right now, Nigeria has a policy that when we get there, we are required to do seven days of, of self-quarantine. Okay, we're only going to be there six. And we are going there to see people. We're going there to do things that requires interaction. So that's the second thing we need prayer for. That God will allow and move to where we can do everything that we need to do. However we need to do it. Third thing. And these are all things I, I really am asking for your prayers Right now, consistently through this trip. Third thing is, Michael and I have expired visas. Now, we have two visas. We have an expired visa, but it expired during COVID, during the lockdown, when they had the borders closed. So, our understanding is they're, they're gonna allow those. Okay. But the bigger prayer is we have these STR visas which were approved right before, literally, I think it was four or five days before we were set to go back in March, before they closed the borders, we got those approved. And we had to, within 90 days, get back to Nigeria to have them finalized. Well, obviously we haven't made those 90 days because it's been closed. That was a long, arduous, expensive process. I think we paid close to $10,000, wasn't it? Probably that's where I want the most concentration of prayer. Because we're not only going to take our STR visas and hopefully get those finalized, but we're taking the teams with us as well to get those finalized, all except for Josh and Shannon. Because theirs are still floating in the air somewhere. Can't even find them. They never they never got them back from the Nigerian embassy yet. And there's no response to get them back. So we, there's another prayer. We don't know where their, theirs are, but hopefully we're taking everybody else's and, and getting it back there. So we need that prayer. This trip is an important trip to be bathed in prayer. They all are. But there are some key issues where Satan is trying to shut down what we're doing there because he knows what it means. And it's also backlash for what he has been denied here. In your prayer, I want you to think about, and I want you to go to the Lord and ask Him what it means... When he is the enforcer and we are his hands and feet. What part of enforcement does that make you? What part of enforcement in your prayer, in your declaration, does that make you? There's a responsibility there. I think we're going to see it come the 26th of September. Because we're going to see an enforcement of the body of Christ, the hands, the feet of Jesus moving forward for this nation on the 26th. I can't wait. I want to encourage anybody. I know I know most of Ignition is going. We're, and, and many are going the night before. I want to encourage you, if you're watching online and, and any way able to go, to Washington DC on the 26th to be there. If not, you can watch it. Uh, I think it's, you could Google Jonathan Kahn, The Return, and get the information. But this is a meeting in Washington DC for the sole purpose of asking forgiveness. asking forgiveness for what this country has become, the choices that we have made. We talked about it last week in terms of abortion, about how there is nothing more important than taking away the authority that the enemy has here in this country. You know, I I was talking... With Alexis, and then we talked about this with uh, uh, with the court team as well. It it just it's bugged me. It's bugged me how we have gone to court, and I know some people won't understand this online. That's fine. We have gone to court for this country for many different cases all the seven places in the world we have gone to court for each region and I I won't get into all that but but specifically this country we have had incredible success in court and when when I say we I mean what Jesus has done I want to read because Bryn put this out and she kind of made it concise and and, and it's, it's a good reminder, but I, I want to read what we have gone to court over the, the last maybe year. Would you say, about a year? Maybe starting last, last October, something like that. There were seven spirits, and this is, this is over and above Abaddon, who, who was the dominant principality over the U.S., So this is after him, after he was taken out. There were seven spirits of influence that were taken to court in this country. Jezebel, the religious spirit, spirit of infirmity, spirit of sexual immorality, spirit of, and and I want you to get these last three. Spirit of inequality. Does that resonate with you a little bit with things going on right now? Spirit of immorality. Now, that's different than sexual immorality. Immorality is a, it, it's it, really the base, basically the way to say it is my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth right there's no absolute truth it's just whatever each person thinks and guides their own life by that is immorality and then the last one was deception then we had some other cases that were specific to this country that the lord and now remember the lord had us go on each one of these these were not our choices He asked us to go to court over these specific things. The first one was abortion. The second one was homosexuality. The third one was complacency, specifically on the bride. The fourth one was oppression. The fifth one was that which was coming against ignition. The last one was pride, the pride of this country. There were other cases that were against Satan and his involvement in certain things. One was his involvement in the USA coronavirus, and his overreach of what he did with that. The second one was his violation of free will. I know I've not explained that one here really yet. It's not time yet, but we went. And then the last one was what we did this last Friday night. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But in this list that we went through, inequality. I know we talked about racism in there. Immorality, deception. See, I was looking at this list, and and before she sent us this concise list, I'm just going through my journal, and Lord... He, he lost in court, and yet all these things seem to be more rampant than they were before. And and we do see signs of transparency. I mean, we pray all the time, every single day, noon, and at eight thirty on the eight thirty prayer call about transparency in the government, about transparency in the bride that God would force. Sin to be made transparent, and we see signs of that. We see so many signs of that. That's happening. So, so we walk in the, in, in the excitement of what God is doing in that. But, but, I just was thinking, Lord, but wait, there's so, so much deception. I mean, it, it's, it's almost to the point now where you turn on the general news, general media. And it's just lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. For those of you who follow me on pace on Facebook. On Facebook, I, I posted this this article not an article, whatever, it was a Facebook post from this girl who I probably would disagree with about ninety percent of what she would think and vice versa we are, we are not on level understandings as far as what we believe at all not even close but yet this article was so powerful because she she was saying that that in 2016 of course she hated Trump and 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 all these things that were being pushed as to what he did and everything else and and you can read the article but but as she's talking about it she was she said I'm I'm just such a faithful follower of MSNBC you know of, of reading watching the news and everything else and then I began to see where when this covid thing came out she watched the the updates every day that the president did and she would hear verbatim what he said and then she'd watch the news and they'd say something different and she sat back said, wait, he didn't say that. Wait, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. That's what the article is about. My point is this. The news has been spreading this deception. It's not just the news. It's social media. I mean, anybody on Facebook here knows what I'm talking about. Anybody on Twitter knows what I'm talking about. They take a little story that is... Just a a snippet of information, unfounded, and they just put it out there. It's, You know what Facebook is? It is the social media platform for passive-aggressive people. It just is. You can put a thought out there. Not explain anything about it, anything about how you feel, but you can put a thought out there without risking because you know that, that the people you want to irritate, it's going to irritate. And the other people are going to be like, well, I don't know why they posted that. That doesn't make sense. I don't understand. But then they just leave it alone. See, that's a passive aggressive way of not stating where you stand. And by the way, it's not even that, I, I wouldn't even necessarily say most people are afraid to say where they stand. You know, un, unlike some who invest in doing that. Michael, for instance, invests in doing that. He is not afraid to commit the time to make people understand where he stands. By the way, that is a good thing. If you are being led by the Lord, that is the best thing. But in all these passive-aggressive posts, and, and even posts that people don't even understand themselves, but then they post it hoping they'll get some answers, it's just deception. All of it out there is so much deception. So much proof that these things are still happening. And we went to the Lord about that because, to be honest with you, i I got to tell you, I don't understand. I see where things are becoming clear, but not everybody sees that. Not everybody at all. So we went before the Lord and the Lord had us go to court. Only to find out that, and I don't know why it's a surprise, that Satan does things even when he's told not to. What a concept. What a concept that he was told not to do something here in the United States, and he turns right around and does it. In a hidden way. See, he technically is not allowed to put his foot on American soil. Oh, and that's what he said in court. I haven't put my foot on the soil. But yet, he still runs everything. He still influences everything. And I want to tell you the bottom line, because I, I do understand, for those of you online, that, that some of this, especially if you know nothing about the courts or, or don't believe in the courts, I, I get that it won't make sense. But I'm going to say this because this is the important part. He was held in contempt. And that's where it ended. But since then, I've been pressing into the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean when your righteous judgment is not followed? He kept telling me it will be enforced. The enforcement will come as we stand in agreement with him. Each of you holds a weight in that. Each of you and I'm speaking right here to ignition. each of you holds a responsibility and a weight. In that enforcement. Not for you just to say what you think should be done. Not for you to just say, well, this is kind of what I feel, so I'm just going to say it. No, it is your responsibility to know what the Lord is telling you to speak and to declare in your prayers, sometimes to people. But it's your responsibility to know. The only way you can do that is in relationship with Him. This is where the rubber meets the road. Because those who have skated along this pathway, staying close to people that have been in relationship with the Lord, and now the responsibility falls on everybody, including them, that's where they will be seen. If you are not following the Lord in relationship and impurity of doing that, it will be found out. And, and not because of some vengeance against you, but because God loves you, He wants the purity of your love for Him. And that, that's just what I got so much this morning in worship is just how much He desperately wants us to be intimate with Him, close to Him. Have Him as the only thing that our eyes see, the only thing that our eyes look to. Not fear, not worry, not even uncertainty. And look at the people in the Word of God that God used to change this world. See, they walked in an absolute certainty, surrounded by uncertainty. Think about it. Think about Paul's walk. And the uncertainty that swirled around him all the time, knowing he would be imprisoned, he would be beaten, he would be shipwrecked. He would be scoffed, he would be laughed at. All this uncertainty that would swirl, and yet he was absolutely certain of what God was doing through him, and what he was to declare being the voice of God. That is how we have the Pauline epistles. Because he didn't live a portion of his life that was, okay, this is my portion. Now in my portion, I can kind of do what I want and I can worry and I can I can this and I can that. But, But then when I step on that stage or when I step out for Christ, then... I will be Christ's person then, and I will be His voice then. It doesn't work that way. That's not how we have God's Word. God's Word impurity comes through a pure life. And yet, not a life without sin. Not a life without the capability of sin. Paul said it himself I'm the greatest of sinners. I don't think he was just talking about the fact that he commanded Stephen's death. I think it was the fact that he recognized his own sinful flesh that was a battle every single day. See, it was a battle to believe. It's a battle to have faith. It's a battle to trust. battle to recognize that you've been called to be an enforcer those are heavy words but that's what God's doing right now you are going to see massive changes in the United States all over the globe eventually but in the United States you're going to start to see massive changes And I'm not talking about that all of a sudden everybody's going to, wow, Christ is for real. We're going to love him and everything's good. Let's let's go get a Coke and whatever. No, Satan, his people, won't give up without a fight because what they hold dear to them is what he has worked to procure for centuries you know when the lord gave his verdict the other night about contempt you know i what i was hoping for was this you know lightning crashing down satan being you know grabbed by the neck you know by by an archangel and and i don't know whatever it, I was just hoping for something like that, you know, thrown somewhere, thrown against a wall or something. I was just hoping for fireworks. I was expecting, yeah, you're in for it now, but God's coming after you now, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the fireworks because we've seen them. We've seen the fireworks in court where this head's ripped off and this thing's ripped apart and I, I mean... You know, it's definitely PG-13 or higher. (laughs) Right? Just because of the violence in there. I'm expecting this. Wasn't any of that. Now, I'm not going to say I was disappointed because I'm not allowed to say that. I was surprised. We'll leave it that way. But then the Lord spoke. Because he said he was guilty. He was found in contempt. But instead of saying, Take him, rip him apart, do this, do that, the Lord spoke to Satan and he said, Prepare. What, what were the words? Get. I can't hear you.
1: Gather your things
0: together. I yeah, it, it, it put, put your affairs in order. That's what it was. Put your affairs in order. Put your affairs in order. And he further explained what that meant was, everything, everything that is yours is going to be transferred to my righteous. You can read into that all you want. Bottom line is what Satan has worked so hard to control over centuries and over millennia really. God just put him on notice to take inventory of it all. Because it's all going to be taken away from him and given to the righteous, given to a ready bride. So you are about to see changes in the United States. This will not come without a fight. This will not come without a fight. You see it right now. You see the wars and where we are, it's such a weird thing. If we didn't have TV, if we didn't have social media, I I would think where we are, we probably wouldn't even know that COVID existed, would we? (laughs) I mean, if, if, if somebody from the outside didn't tell us, and oh, you've got to go do this, you've got to do this, whatever, we wouldn't even know. We don't see riots in our streets. I, we, we don't even see, I mean, for a while there I saw no more traffic because people stayed home. Now I, now I see the traffic again. I was really enjoying when Friday didn't have the, the, the heavy traffic that it used to. Now it does again. What's up with that? right but the changes are coming with a fight why because you're the enforcer standing up for what what is right is the enforcement declaring what god tells you to declare is the enforcement It's the agreement of His will that He has already planned in heaven to be done on this earth. It is the agreement that we give that is the enforcement. Do you understand? Do you? I mean, really, do you understand that you play a part in that? Whether anybody knows you or not, it doesn't matter. Because there's only one who has to know you. And that's God. There's only one voice that it's important for you to be important to. That is God. When you speak in agreement with Him and in agreement for His righteousness, you are pleasing to Him. What do you think it means when When he said to Peter, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Or actually, what it says there is what you will bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. See, they're outside of time. This whole thing has already been done in God's eyes. In God's eyes, he has experienced the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning, and everything in between. So it's already been done there. What is done here is in agreement with that. And there's power in that agreement. There's power in that unity. That's why it can't be one person. It can't be one person that God does this whole thing through. Why? Because He tried that before. Didn't work. He tried it through Moses. Didn't work. Because some fell in love and believed and and understood. But then as the road got hard, that's what became their God. Was the fear of what was standing in front of them. So much so that when they finally got to the promise, and God sent out the twelve spies, only two, only two came back and said, we could do this. Only two recognized The power of agreement with heaven. For what heaven has already declared, heaven has already said would happen. And in that agreement, they said, no, we could do it. But the other ten said no. And you know the story. Forty years they paid for that. Forty years. And the two that did believe it, they still paid the forty years. They were allowed to go. In fact, one of them led. One of them replaced Moses. But they still paid the price of everybody else's choice. Why? Because God demands unity in that choice. He demands unity to make His will that's already been done in heaven happen here on earth. You want to see the fire of God fall on this nation? Then be in unity. Be in agreement. Why have we been seeing things happen that we've been praying for now for three and a half years? It's because we're in unity. We're not even a big group. We're a little group that's been in unity with God's will. Not, whatever you want, Lord, I'm in agreement. That's my prayer. I mean, that's awesome if you want to do that, you know, as a blanket statement here and there. But if you don't engage in the specifics, you're not helpful at all. Because that means God is not telling you what to engage in, what to pray for, what to declare that has already happened in heaven to be a part of. It's passive. Just say, whatever you want, Lord, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement with these people. I'm in agreement with you. Now let me go and I'll I'll keep doing my thing. See, that's passive. That's not what God wants. That isn't even relationship with Him. I guarantee you. As you build relationship with Him, one of the signs of you being in relationship is Him telling you to say something. Telling you to step out in a way that's going to be uncomfortable for you. I guarantee it. I stake my life on it. He will do that. If you haven't seen that in your own life, I ask you to question what your relationship looks like with him. Is that relationship intellectual? I, I, I know about him. I know all his principles. I know what he says here. I know what he says there. You know, you can call yourself an American and be an American by birth. You're an American if you're born here. You are an absolute American by birth. Doesn't mean you know Donald Trump. Doesn't mean you know Mike Pence. Doesn't mean you know the leadership of this country. You can know about them. You could be even named under their leadership, which is what an American is. Doesn't mean you know them. You could be saved. You could accept Jesus Christ into your heart as Savior. No, He is the Messiah. And giving your heart to Him. It does not mean you know Him. It doesn't. You may know Him as Messiah. You may know who He is and you may believe it. And you may receive it into your heart. But to know Him means you have engaged with Him on a personal level. You have stepped out in faith to say, I'm going to believe Your Word when it says to step. I'm going to believe your word when it says that you will never leave me, never forsake me. I'm going to believe that your word is not just for a group of people that are listed in your word, but it's really for me. Because if you built relationship with them, if you built relationship with Peter, and you built relationship with Paul and John, I'm going to believe that that's available for me. Why wouldn't it be? In their own words, God is not a respecter of persons. God does not want a relationship with me more than He wants a relationship with you. He pursues us both the same. He desires that relationship with us the same. But it's when we pursue Him, and when we go after Him to learn who He is, when we are no longer just a Christian, because we're Christian by birth, being reborn. But now we become His children. Now we become a known quantity in relationship to Him. He knows us. We know Him. It's then that you can stand in agreement and in unity with others and say, your will in heaven that you have already done, that has already been done, may it be done here. That's what the 26th is. I don't know how many people are going to be there, but I mean... I just pray it overwhelms the place. I I, I pray it is a larger group than any group that's ever been there. Ever. I don't even know what that is. But you know what? The reality of what I wish for is I just am praying that the people that God needs there be there. To just be there And not be in relationship with Him. There's still power in that unity. But to be there, be in relationship with Him. And be unified in His will being done for this country. As He's planned it in heaven. And it's already been done. There's power in that. That's why He has told us to go. Don't downplay the 26th. Because I'm telling you what, oh, what an exciting time to live! Between now and the end of the year, you are going to see the most incredible roller coaster ride that you've ever experienced. What I pray you're, you'll see, and what I believe you will see, is the enforcement of these court cases, you will see deception beaten back from our media. You and I don't know how you'll see it. It's it's not our job to worry about how. It's our job to declare to, to declare his will be done and be unified together in what that means. He's going to get his bride's attention. Hot or cold, he will separate the lukewarm. You know what that word spit out of the mouth means? The the real Greek word there? Vomit. Vomit. Who likes to vomit? I would rather be sick any other way than my stomach. I think that's why... Satan hits stomachs so hard because there's just nothing more debilitating for me. I, I become a child. I really ask my wife. She's she's saying yes. Yeah, she's standing in agreement with me. <laughs> I become a child. I, I don't I don't know what it is about that, but in agreement, we will see extraordinary moves of the enforcement of what has been declared in heaven, what has been declared in his court. I mean, I, I get this sense of so much starting on the 26th, but really it's started already. It is st- started already. It starts every time we gather together on that prayer call. And all the pockets all over the globe that do the same thing, Lord knows who they are. We call it the remnant, but that's really what it is. It's pockets that are in relationship with him, sold out no matter what. Whatever he wants, yes. But be excited about what's coming. Don't be confused. Don't be confused. Don't fall into that deception yourself as to how things look. Press into the Lord. He'll show you. Because the deception from the enemy is to get you to disengage. To feel helpless that you can do anything. And he's, he's been pretty successful up to this point. Even recognizing, I, I know for me the, the big epiphany this week was that I have a part in that enforcement. It's what we're talking about this morning. That was a huge epiphany to me. It's the deception from the enemy that would keep us from recognizing that we play a part in that. So ask the Lord, what is your part? Alex, come on up. I want
1: to give you a, a take-home scripture to kind of ponder. This week that the Lord just laid on my heart in reference to there were many different passages and stories um, that Greg made reference to, but I want to just call your attention to one that um, and I'll tell you why it, it, it connects, but it's in Exodus chapter three, starting in verse one. Now Moses, keeping the flock of Jethro, Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian, um, he was was keeping the flock. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, or Sinai, the mountain of God, to Mount Sinai. This is in the Amplified Version. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was on fire, yet it was not consumed. And verse 3 is the key verse that I want to chew on and have you take it with you this week. And so Moses said, I must turn away from the flock and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned away from the flock to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then, of course, God went on to tell him to take his sandals off, and that it was holy ground, and he began to speak to him. But the key is, Moses was willing, and the Amplified gives a greater explanation of it. He was encumbered by what he was involved in. He was willing to turn away, to see the wonder, the the unexplicable something around him. But because he was willing to turn away, the Lord spoke to him. Even if he had seen the bush and thought it was great and then just stayed focusing on the flock because he had stuff to do. He had a job to do. He was working for his father-in-law. He had, he had a life that consumed him. And God gives him a glimpse of something unusual, something wonderful. And because he was willing to look away and that the Lord saw that he was willing to turn away from the flock and give God the focus, that's when the Lord released his word. I really believe that in the readying of the bride, you know there is like never before, there is a distraction of something to come against and encumber us, whether it's fears, worries, our plans, our disrupted plans to come up with a plan b, finances, uh, family relationships, emotions, our health, and wondering what that looks like. God is is beginning to show up in a supernatural way, even through the disruption of life not looking like what it looked like uh, looked like before. And he's, he's asking, will you turn away from what encumbers you so that I can speak to you? Because, man, when you look at the life of Moses, and I encourage you to just do a deep dive this week in just what that was about. He was just a guy disenfranchised in brought up in a, an, a home of an, an adoption, adoption situation because he was forced out, but yet his life was saved, he was supposed to be killed, and all the limitations, couldn't speak well, even was thinking, God, you couldn't possibly call me into this, and yet God had a plan for him, and his role really was significant, and yes, what God intended for the children of Israel, obviously their hearts were hardened, but there is a really significant place. And one of the first things that came to my mind when, when Greg was talking about the role that we all have, you know, I've shared this before, but the two little old ladies in um, the uh, mm-hmm. the Hebrew revival in the Isle of Lewis, if they had not responded to the calling of yes. prayer to pray so fervently, it was God using them. Nobody saw, nobody highlighted. It wasn't some well-known, prominent awesome, you know, voice in the community of prayer that just moved everybody and whatever. It was just prayer in a barn. And a fervency to go before God and respond to the Father's heart and speak out and declare what the Father was saying through them. He didn't look at their age, he didn't look at their monetary value, he didn't look at what they'd been through in the sense of that being a limitation. He just was speaking into them and said I'm calling you to speak out and pray back the Father's heart, to pray back my heart, because I want something done and started. And it was the prayer of those women that literally birthed the revival, the revival, that so influenced a young woman that her world was rocked spiritually, that when she gave birth to a son... He became what is now our president. This, th- There are dots connected in this higher, Isaiah 55, 8 9, the God's ways that are higher, his thoughts that are higher. He is putting together a perfect plan. And he so desires that people are just in agreement. Yes. But we get so encumbered with... Yeah, but I got, I got this flock, I got, I got this stuff, and I got, I mean, this isn't, this isn't the time. And Moses had lived a life. He was called at 80 years old. Praise God for examples like that. Yeah. When you think that you, the, the, you there's, a, there's a fight for our identity. You can't do that because. You need to be that because. You are this because. You are not that. You aren't this anymore because of what you've been through. And God's just saying, man, if you just listen to me. I will just get so much more glory and you will find me to be such, so much bigger, bigger of a wonder in your life because I'll take every limitation and just let it fly in the face of the enemy with how I will use. What he is saying is not. I will say is because I am the great I am. Yes. And so this agreement is so powerful. And the enemy will also sometimes seek to tell you that you are arrogant if you feel you are called. To seek to tell you. I can only imagine the re- early responses of the people in Egypt going, Who do you think you are? You're going to call us out of Egypt? Like, who are you? You can't speak. You are, you're nobody. You, you're an adopted kid. Pharaoh doesn't even, they don't even like you anymore. They don't even want you. What? what? I mean, can you imagine? We've got to put in context the pressures of his day. And those are multiple stories all through scripture. So whatever God is saying for you to do, the only thing that is relevant, the only thing to consider is, God, is it you? And then, yes, I will obey. Does not matter your age. Does not matter your health. We know. Those of us that know Carson and have heard what the Lord has spoken know that his calling is so significant. Yes. If that makes sense in the human realm, then anything can. Yes. Because... God's ways are not our ways, but he needs our agreement. So you are either going to step into your purpose for why you were born and why you're here and what is this all about, or you're not. But the decision time is now, it's, it's actually been unfolding. We've seen people who have made their decisions, and they're, they've fallen away. Shannon was speaking of that this morning. It's so sad to see people. Now, some of them, they made their decision long ago, and the manifestation is just what's showing up. It's been hidden. But there's always going to be a measurable manifestation of the faith, in this realm, of the faith that we say that we have. Where does that statement come from? How about Hebrews? Faith without works is dead. You will manifest the faith that you have. Whether you say you have it or not, the faith that you have will manifest. And as the pressure mounts In this war that we're in, the equalizing pressure within us of our faith, the Holy Spirit of our faith, it will begin to show up in strength and in boldness. So just start there. Let God, he knows what you're about to face. He knows what I'm about to face. He knows corporately what we're about to face. Some of the battles we've been in through in Ignition, we have fought as a group. And many of us have stories that, wow, that was a moment of truth. I didn't know. I thought I was going to run away and be afraid. And I just, boy, I just got in the fight. I don't even know what came over me. It's because if your heart wants God, he's going to put within you the strength to overcome. He's already told us we're an overcomer, but we've got to give him permission to be the overcomer in a manifest measure of the faith that we say we have. Because there's a whole lot of people that have said that they have faith, that have absolutely recently been crushed. I found it interesting when Brooke prayed over the, over worship leaders. There is, uh, there's such oppression against the worship leaders, uh, because there's nothing that Satan hates more than people who will lead and usher other people into magnifying and worshiping the name of Jesus. Because he's the one that started this coup d'etat against God as a, you talk about game of thrones. He wanted a game to be won on his behalf. Yes. And that's what got him kicked out. And there is a pressure on, on some of these worship leaders. And what has happened is now so many have fallen and fallen and fallen as they've made their decisions. So all is going to be revealed. And Hebrews talks about that too. All is being revealed. All is being manifested. But what God is doing is still what he's doing. So trust him. Give him your yes. And be willing to look away from your flock. Be willing to look away that that metaphoric place of whatever encumbers you, to see that God has a plan and a purpose. He adores you. You were not created without purpose, and I remind Ivan that all the time because, um, obviously, wanting to speak into my younger and youngest child, um, I remind her all the time that even in her own uh, birth, uh, I was told there is no human way that you will ever have a child it's just over for you apart from maybe maybe a hundred thousand dollars to try in vitro and um and so i knew at that moment god if 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 you're wanting to birth something you're going to birth it and when it was placed in god's hands he did it now i was also surrendered to the fact that he may not have chosen to do it he may have had me live with just Brooke, which wouldn't have been a just it would have been an amazing thing she's uh she's, she's everything she's like having about 12 kids but um but god will do what he's going to do he just needs our life laid down and every life is a miracle and i love that um that you know whether that could be your story or not whether you were born into out of an impossible situation or not you were still an intentional life created by god as all lives are and um and god just wants our a cooperation because uh, if you're sitting here thinking well God couldn't use me like this or God would never do this or it's too late for me then guess what you're in agreement with the enemy in in terms of the the arguments and the high imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God 2 Corinthians 10:5 we got to know we got to use the word as a weapon in our prayer life ask God for prayer strategies when we go to prayer we don't just bring our worries and our burdens and just spit them out as, I'm just so worried about this, God, I'm so worried about this. No, we take it and we say, God, you have the answer because you promised this because I've seen what you've done with Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I've seen what you've done in Joseph's life. I've seen what you've done in the Apostle Paul and the 12 disciples in Jesus. And I know you have the answer. And so we're going to wait for you to have the answer to give us. Take that confidence, that faith in prayer. It's not just about bringing your burden, sadly, to prayer. Ask God for prayer strategies and believe that he has a purpose and a plan for you. And it might not just be a task. It may be something so significant because I have not seen nor ear heard the things that God, nor has mind been able to comprehend the things that God has planned for us. And that's both here and in our life to come when we see Jesus face to face. So, boy, just believe, believe, believe. And, um... As the forces get a little more intense, and they will, in our external, be willing to look away from that flock and hear the word of the Lord from a place that you wouldn't normally hear his voice, because a burning bush doesn't have to just be exclusive to Moses. God can and does speak in so many different ways if we're just willing to turn away from what encumbers us and listen. Father, thank you, God. Thank you for this reminder. Um, today in what you're doing, God, in just recognizing that we can be enforcements of your plan to unfold on this earth, God, not because of us, but because of you in us, Christ in me, Christ in me, it is in you, Lord Jesus, that we live, that we move, that we have our being God, and you said in John 14 that for those that believe, greater works will we do. Why? Why? Because, God, the world will see you in the works. As you said in the verse right before that, Believe, if you don't believe me, believe me for the works that I do. God, I pray that you get the glory for the yes that we give, for however you choose to use our life And Lord, however you choose to use our death, because God, the only way we are overcome, as Revelation 12 tells us, and I pray that we live by this. It's heavy in this realm, but we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word and agreement of our testimony with your will to be done, and that we love not our life unto death, that we not be encumbered with self preservation. And re- reacting constantly from our carnal flesh that we have to have this and we have to have that. and I, But I need this and I can't say no to that. God, oh God, help us. Help us to see that you are the source of every goodness, yes. every pleasure, everything. God, you are life itself. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we know that great and mighty things are coming and are upon us because we are calling unto you. Bless this word, God. Let it go deep into the soil of our hearts. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen.